think we're having a staring match from different houses. Are we? Yeah. Oh no. How come? Who blink well, because we were seeing who would blink first after you said wait to start recording. Oh no. And I put myself on mute because I had to cough. You did put yourself on mute. Okay, that's what was going on. I, I was put like, myself well, on Greg's mute. starting. Are we having a staring contest? Oh, I thought you were like, going like, to just jump into the intro. Well, I never just jump it. into the intro on Funny Book Forensics. You're home for comic book analysis. Hey. And dissection. That's right. That's right. That's us. That's right what we here do. on the spoiler verse where Cthulhu comes to destroy everything. Oh, no. And you know what's not going on? What? John isn't here. Uh, well, that's typical. I mean, it's not typical, but it is typical. I mean, I would say. I would expect the spoiler verse with its tentacles everywhere to reach at some point. True. Forensics. True, true. I, I would say Kenrick will probably show up before John. But we transcend the spoiler verse, and that's why you come here for our analysis. Because while the spoiler verse spoils new TV shows and mm-hmm. spoils new comics and gets you the best interviews with comic creators, we find obscure Kickstarter comics and have fun talking about them. That's right. That's what we do. And 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 the stuff in, in our in our boxes and stuff like that. But we do we do it all. Well, you know, just because yeah. we can talk about whatever we want. We're not bound by Cthulhu's tentacles. No, we're, we're not. unbound. I mean, unless unless you want to be. I mean. Yeah, I mean, that was the last few issues that we covered with Midnighter, <laughs> right? So I think. Oh, like, my goodness. Yeah, we're no. Probably we were done definitely. With, like, the God Garden and the Perdition Pistol. We were kind of stuck. We, we had to. We had to. Some doors. There was a ride or die moment of like. Dude, we're 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 hitting these 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 issues. We're finishing them, <laughs> but we made it to the end, and we did. It's uh, it you painful. know, it was about as interesting reading those books as my dog finds me interesting by sitting here watching me podcast and talk aimlessly into a computer with nobody on the other side. She's fascinated by this. She's like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing? Yeah, why? Why she, are she's you like, doing? Isn't it time for a walk? Yeah, she's in fact right here, like." Let's go. And uh, she's just going to have to wait an hour now. Yeah. Why are we not walking? Why are we not eating the food? That's what we do. She thinks she thinks it's time. It may be time to go outside, but uh, we'll we'll keep a heads up on that. Yeah. Because this is great radio. This is. Your dog will wait and we will talk about. What are we talking about today, Dan? Well, we are talking about glitter vipers. Whoa. Sounds dangerous. They sounds sound dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> they sound dangerous. Yeah, uh, this is so. I uh, picked up a book on Kickstarter um, by Joe Glass and Katie Fleming, and uh, Joe Glass run ran the Kickstarter. I think Joe had an active one recently. I know I picked up another one, but I don't know if he has any active uh, Kickstarters right now. It's probably something I should research before the podcast starts. Eh, it's okay. We, we will we'll let it slide this time. But after all the Midnighter stuff and we were discussing, we, we discussed a lot about violence in comics and, and where violence might, might be appropriate. And uh, especially violence in relation to the queer community, right? Like why mm-hmm. does it necessarily, you know, ca- queer character have to act so violently uh, toward oppression? And I think 
my biggest criticism of the Midnighter series was the sense in the Midnighter character. Here's one thing where it was very consistent, right? The Midnighter character over time has been ultra violent. So this isn't a secret, right? Like yeah. it's, it wasn't a change for the character to be ultra violent, but we didn't see a lot of justifications for that violence in the book. Mm-hmm. No. Right. It's just like violence for violence sakes. Yeah. I'm attacked. I, you attacked me. I'm going to be violent. It was like kind of like dog response, like, you know, like as we're talking about dog stuff earlier. But like, I mean, when my dog um, freaks out about stuff because she's in a cone right now, you touch her. She turns and freaks out and tries to bite you because it's 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 a reactive type thing. That's how that is so much how Midnighter did his business. It was all reactive. Not and the, yeah, the big thing too, I would say it's, it was reactive, but also there was a, if you if you recall correctly, and I think this is a scene that probably relates most of the book we're about to read. There was a scene in a bar mm-hmm. and uh, one of the, it was a group of Russians and he's Midnighter chooses to go to Russia. And one of the Russians makes a homophobic comment and Midnighter grabs him by the nose. If I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, in just, the nose. it just seemed out of place, right? Like he was very much the aggressor. Yeah. And so it just seemed like they were just sticking it in there to get a clap. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to read something that's very different. Yeah. Now, I just found a fun bleeding cool story about Joe Glass. Apparently he was one of the first creators to get vaccinated. Oh, against COVID-19. There you go. Cool. (laughs) Topical. Yeah. And then they kind of joke. They said, well, that may be not be true. We're not sure, but he was got to be one of the youngest creators to get vaccinated. So, you know, first, but anyway, a lot of fun. Uh, You can, if you want to learn more about Joe Glass, you can go to joeglasscomics.co.uk. And it has a nice, pretty gallery of his comics. All the comics. And I'll probably mention that at the end, too, or at least try to remember to put it in our notes uh, in a couple weeks when I post this. Okay. Oh, wait, I said a couple weeks when I post this. Uh-oh. I mean, like today. Today, when it's been posted. Right now. <laughs> right right now. when we do it. That's what Gee. I mean. That's how this works. I thought you posted. Right now. I thought We're Joe Rogan. We... Everything goes up right now. I thought as soon as we were done talking, you po- you put it up. That's what you that's, tell that's me right. all the no, time. It's live, and then we put it up. Yeah, right? this is With you told me staff. this is all live. Yeah, like, I've got a big staff here. The dog, she's very good at posting podcasts. Okay, that's what I thought. Because, like, I mean, why am I paying you gratuitous amounts of money? All the money. I am getting so rich right now. It's not even funny. I, I think mean, we were just discussing that mon- monopoly the, money the podcast, but, right? Yeah, it's monopoly money, but I mean, of course, it's gratuitous amounts. I mean, well, sure. It's, I it's mean, like, when I'm the like project a- manager of Overcast Comics, no, you're not. That brings <laughs> you. That brings you. That brings you. Queuing you up, Overcast I, Comics. That brings you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I'm like, I have to preface. No, you're not because. <laughs> <laughs> just because you say it doesn't make it real, Dan. Just because you say it doesn't make it real. Starlight Comics. Okay. <laughs> how how af- you're very afraid of your co-author, and that's respectable because I'm afraid of him too. 
Wow. See, you know, it's, I can't even joke and you're afraid of Travis. It's, it's not, it's not being afraid. It's because I had, I had a a heart to heart conversation about making drastic changes to things um, without conversations. And I don't want this to be a, uh, did you, did you have a conversation with somebody and, and, and make a change? You know, the assumption that anything I say on this podcast is true. Besides what I say about the comics, you should always take that with a grain of salt. You know, though, I mean, I I know I could, but I don't know about anyone else listening within earshot. Travis and that, isn't listening to this show. He might. He's this got would ears drive Travis everywhere. insane. He's got <laughs> Travis ears. is a big fan of wandering dialogue. He, <laughs> oh, God, he's calling in right now. Is he really? No, <laughs> Dan. Best. It's not a Put live radio show, right show now. you <laughs> I was like, you're you the fool. best. Bring him in. Invite him in. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'll invite good. him in. I'll put him on speakerphone. You fool. Well, anyway, listeners are now incredibly bored. I'm Travis. eating the crab ragoon. Yeah. Uh, Travis is your co-author and yes. co-host of? Of Narrative Gunslingers and co-author of Starlight Comic. And so, yeah, big, big thing. And, you know, getting into this, too, I think I've always been fascinated by independent labels, but I'm also really interested in mainstream books. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. the bulk of what I buy, admittedly, and I've shared this several times are DC comics. Right. I love buying superhero comics. I've always loved buying superhero comics, and I don't see an issue with that. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. (laughs) I did not mean to do that. And that's, I didn't even get a good laugh from you. But at the same time, yeah. And, and at the See, same that's time. That's a good laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now you got me. Okay. See, nothing I intend to be funny is ever funny. And then I could just say something. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I'm Worf from Star Trek, right? And anything yes. he says that's not funny is funny. And then. <laughs> It's, yeah, <laughs> uh, this is why I need you here. Oh, well, wow. I was going to make a point. Yes, your point. And that point was, I have always been a big fan of you know b- big mainstream comics, right? I like True. comic books. This is yeah. why I do this, and I keep reading them. Mm-hmm. I also like independent books and side stories and people that want to be creative. And what I get frustrated about with the indie world, sort of, is this notion that. Oh, well, I read indie comics with my, uh, you can't call them skinny lattes anymore, right? So help me. Uh, what would they be? No I don't fat know what latte. They, I, I don't know what they're called because I don't drink them. I don't even, I, I hardly drink coffee anymore. Well, it's like I've got my my kale in my oh, yeah. <laughs> non-fat latte and my indie books. And yeah. these indie books are far superior to the trash you're reading, Dan, and I'm not even going to engage you on that level. I, I bring out a book and I say, hey, this, this book is well written. Mm-hmm. And oh, well, that was it's a DC imprint. It can't be good. I'm like, well, that's just not true. I mean, these companies hire the best writers. Often, right? Often, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Those best writers won't always write for them. True. But oftentimes uh, that happens. So we should expect that sometimes... <laughs> These big companies put out great books. Yeah. And that that should happen, right? It should happen. 
it should happen. It would make sense that that good books would come out of of big companies. And if you like to read superhero books, you're probably going to see some good superhero books out of big companies. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I would also expect that writers want to take off on their own. And then there's a lot of up and coming writers that haven't been noticed by the big companies. Mm-hmm. And they also can write and tell stories and make something fun. Yeah. And both of these worlds can coexist. You don't have to be like an indie guy or a, a big company guy. You can like both. That's true. That's true. I you like comics. <laughs> I I fall into that category of like I toggle back and forth between like the kind of stuff that I grew up with and the storylines that I like. But then also I jump back into these like uh, the the love letter comics, the comics that are somebody's love letter to whatever it is that they, they feel like they have to get out or the the story that they know that isn't going to get made the way that they feel like it, it needs to get made in the mainstream. So they, they make it themselves. And I, I thoroughly enjoy reading those stories because it's if you don't read them, you'll, you, or if you don't, I guess it's like, if you don't seek them out, then you'll never know they exist. Right. Well, I think one of the fun things to think about too, is you get a much smaller print run, right? Mm-hmm. If you're doing a, say a Kickstarter. And when we say much smaller, so if we're com- comparing like, you know, a typical DC book these days doing about a 30,000 uh, book print run. So mm-hmm. not huge. Right. Yeah. It's not like it's gigantic, um, but you all. So uh, issue four just ended on Kickstarter, right? Of Starlight. Mm-hmm. And, and what, how many backers did you end up with? Um, I think at total, I think just about 236 backers. Yeah, so about so. I, and obviously you'll print more than 236, yeah. but let's say you print 500. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a substantially smaller print run than 30,000. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. But um, the people that are choosing to buy this and grow as your audience are extremely loyal. Mm-hmm. This is true. And you're always going to have that audience of, you know, 250, hopefully by the time you all get to the end of the book, say three to 500 people, right? Mm-hmm. And the, you'll build that audience and they'll come back. So it's, it's a very different type of audience building than saying just putting out 7,000 Batman books every month. And hoping that, 4,000 of them get bought and 3,000 don't get returned. (laughs) Right. And so, well, and that's a lot of direct markets have quelled the print runs too, right? So that's one of the reasons the print runs are are down is because people are ordering the books ahead of time or comic stores have a predictive audience for that book, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the same sense, all you're doing on a Kickstarter is trying to build a predictive audience. Oh, yeah. Either predict, yeah, predictive audience based off of, and based off of previous previous sales and or uh kind of knowing if friend a likes this friend b might like this hey friend a talk to friend b yeah so, i think you might have called it a pyramid scheme before the podcast no 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 <laughs> no i was talking about, i was talking about how the the Kickstarter marketing <laughs> like could be in it not, I'm, I'm not mine but just like how like you see that kind of help me help you help me. 
I'm just teasing you though, Greg, but even if it, it's not a pyramid scheme, but yeah, I think I mean, it's- Yes, it's, so, it's, I, so I watched- What if it is? The, the Zuzu, <laughs> Zulu, um, the, I'm going to mess up the thing, the, the Zulily, uh, not Zulily, uh, the, whatever the clothing company, man, I messed it up. You're going to have to just- <laughs> I, I'm You're Travis-ing. talking to me about clothing. Yeah, no, I'm just, it's the just documentary, the documentary about the, uh, uh, the pyramid schemes. I watched that. Zumbas? No, not Zumbas. Although they're not super Zumba. comfortable are, and I bought them. No, it was like most recently. It was like, uh, like Lululemon. Yes. No, Lulu, uh, Lulu something. Lululemon. Yeah. Zulemon. Zulemon yeah. Lily. I, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. It was, it, it was whatever that is. Yes. Doterra. Huh? No. Doterra. No. Well, there was that company around here that came out of Washington that sold all the scented oils and crap. Wasn't no, that that's not it. It's not those. It was close, but they were like basically they they're housed out of out of California, but a majority of their sales reps were from the Pacific Northwest because it started with two ladies that lived here that were like, "Oh, I like this clothes. These clothes. I want to be a sales rep," and then they got all their friends to talk it up on social media. And then all of a sudden there was like this big rush for all that. But isn't that the goal of marketing? I mean, yeah, yeah, it is the goal of marketing. It's the goal of marketing. Ideally you want a good product to go with that. Right. Yeah. But I think if the product degrades over a short, like you should grow the business as the, as the marketing grows, not degrade the business as the marketing grows. And that's that's why overcast comics is hiring me as their project manager. We've circled. You you can keep saying it, but it doesn't make it true. (laughs) Well, it's just me wanting badly for you all to be big enough to have a project manager. Well, it's appreciated. And that's, but that's what it is, right? I mean, and maybe you won't get that big, but ultimately as these groups build audiences, this is where I'm joking with you, right? Though you don't think it's funny, the project manager part, but the idea, right? That you build this marketing, it's not a pyramid scheme, but it's friends buying friends books. But ultimately, you know, if you get enough referrals, right? Like any other Mm -hmm. business to your great work, then that's going to grow your market. Yeah. That definitely that definitely does. I mean, it makes sense, but I mean, it's, I think it's a little more, I think more intricate than that. Well, you're saying it's more nuanced than my simple three minute explanation yeah. on a podcast. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would hope so because you're a, a, a master at this stuff. So, yeah, of course it's more nuanced. <laughs> I'm right? just like I'm very lucky and fortunate that that dumb things like eating garbage food works because well, people that's like to one watch, I, w- people like to watch me eat garbage food or do stupid things. And then I think <laughs> I think you're underselling yourself. Um, yeah, I also I also I also think that you're underselling yourself in the sense that you have you're also married to somebody with a marketing degree who was attracted to you and your brain and your ability to market and sell your books and be passionate about your stuff. Right. Like, you know, there's a reason the two of you are married. Right. I assume. Yeah. yeah. And part of it I've seen is both of you have brilliant minds for this stuff. And I think you both undersell it, but to an extent, you know, yeah. So eating garbage on the internet might be one thing, but you also 
strategically place your eating garbage with your high quality products. Well, I mean, also like my video game collection is pretty big. Well, there is that, and that may be why you and Ann got together together to begin with. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> it's like it's like not Netflix and chill. It's like Sega Saturn and and chill, right? Yeah. So she's like, "Oh, I didn't know they made this." <laughs> yeah, you still have a Sega Saturn? What? Yes, <laughs> but the. Uh... <laughs> It's really when you got into the Dreamcast games that everything went, you know, well. Hey, man. I mean, Typing of the Dead is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so is the ECW game. It is. Which when, I thank you we very much. how to play it. Yeah, it's a pain in the, <laughs> the controls. Well, someday I'll be able to come back to your house and try to play it again. Eventually, someday. Someday. When Grandma trusts the vaccine, I can come back. It's never going to happen. <laughs> so... Well, we're about 20 minutes in and we probably should get into the book itself. But I did want to bring up a little bit about the differences between approach because yeah. we've been reading a lot of big company books. Mm -hmm. But I want to bring up a little bit of the difference in the approach between like the marketing, the writing and what you have to do if you're promoting one of these Kickstarters. Right. Like you, yeah. you have to you're most creating your own special niche. Mm -hmm. But then in creating that own special niche, it's also got to be a niche that could be potentially be expanded to a larger part of that niche or to a larger overarching audience, right? Yeah. Because let's face it, you know, it's good to have a small audience, but ultimately people would want their stuff read. Yeah. You don't want it just sitting in a vault. No, you don't. You want it. You, you want these things to be looked at, enjoyed, passed on to, to friends and family that would enjoy it as well. So, you know, you want, you want to make comics to be able to be shared, but you also want to be able to find comics that you can share as well. And ultimately, too, I mean, and the pyramid scheme is probably out of line, but if it's 100 of your closest friends backing your Kickstarter and that's your first 100, but the word spreads among the group of people that are loyal to you and love your stuff, that's mm -hmm. fine. But then, you know, what do the next 100 look like? Yeah, well, I mean, that's... And I think that's where it diverges from the, the, the joking that it's a pyramid scheme because a pyramid scheme wouldn't, wouldn't actually, that wouldn't work like that. Right. So <laughs> you're, you're also not making enough for it to be a pyramid scheme. No. So, um, the, it's, it's not like you're making millions here. No, the, uh, the, the way that you're not the devices. No. Well, what you're, what you're, what you're talking about and what you're saying is basically the, 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 general good old fashioned word of mouth marketing and getting people to, you know, all your friends and, and family and stuff like that. And, or people who have the, you know, your hardcore core of people finding it and then passing that out and sharing it and getting people to, to come on and, and back a project even, you know, at, at whatever, whatever level, just that, just to make sure that it gets funded and gets to be able to making sure that it can be created. Well, before I say anything else about the storytelling and how these mm -hmm. things go together, I think we've, we've had a nice setup yeah. uh, for this book. And like I said, it's by Joe glass and Katie Fleming on art. Uh, there are a couple of other folks involved too. I should probably give them credit, but for now uh, let's, uh, Let's go ahead and get into this. But I do want to say something before we get in. All right. I'm going to read a quote. Glitter right. Vipers is a bold retort, 
an indie outcry against heterosexism that hits with intense personal emotion of the best exploitation cinema. And like that, it is raw, real, hits hard, and leaves a mark. Quote by Steve Orlando. Hey, we we know that name. <laughs> we know that name. So as much as I was criticizing Steve Orlando, Steve Orlando is an advocate, and here he is supporting the book, you know, right here mm-hmm. um, on the Comixology page. And so I uh, just excited. I did not actually know that until I went to grab the Comixology page uh, for when I post this later. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I was excited to see, uh, I was excited to see uh, these things fit together. So that's, that is really good. That is really good. Yeah. And so we've got, you know, written by Joe Glass, art by Katie Fleming, colored by Kelly Fitzpatrick, covered by James Gifford and lettered by Lucas Gatoni and edited by Ted Brandt. So there's our, our run here mm-hmm. and uh, let's get into this book. So we are at the cover and there is a lot of rainbow rain going on. <laughs> And we've got uh, we've got a prominent character with a baseball bat, and it says Felicia mm-hmm. across their chest. Anything else stand out to you here? Everybody's in a in a team fighting pose. It looks like you got sort you know. of, yeah. <laughs> I interrupted you as usual. No, I don't. I don't know what you're getting at. So, I mean, they're standing in a in a, a, a wave of rainbow. Being rain. Yeah, well, you got it. some that are like in fighting poses. We've got like Felicia here. I'm uh-huh. assuming that's Felicia by Felicia because that was in the description of the book. Mm-hmm. We've got another character who's got brass knucks that say bitch, please. <laughs> yeah. But then we got some other folks that are just kind of standing here. Like we've got one a guy with a button up shirt sort of just posing for the camera. Yeah. Uh, we've got the woman behind bitch, please with her hand up in the air. We've got another guy looking really serious. We've mm-hmm. got another character in the background and they're just with their hand up in the air mm-hmm. uh, catching raindrops. So it, it's a little different. And then everybody's doing everybody. Everybody is on their own journey in this. They're all feeling something different, experiencing something different, and they're all going through whatever. I don't know, dude. I just, well, like, yeah. the cover says they're here, they're queer and they ain't taking shit anymore. So, but it doesn't so say some, shit. Some, it has like the little symbols. Yeah. But, some people yeah. are angry and some people are not. I, <laughs> now that you pointed out, it's hard for me not to, not to notice that some people look like they're in a really good family photo and some people yeah. look like they're great. Like you got three people that are like, we're about to go, we're about to go get our fight on. Yeah, and, and four, people, four people that are like, "Hey, what's up? This is a this is this is an Instagram moment. Let's take that photo." I like that though. I like that. I like that not everybody's spoiling to go beat somebody up, right? Yeah, I think it's real to life. I don't think I think when situ- circumstances are brought on you, uh, you're not always ready to go punch somebody. I that's mean, true. I might be, but you aren't, and I think that's okay. You gotta fight with your words. Instead of with your well, fist. 
we get into this. There's a there's an interior cover, and it says Glitter Vipers. There's a content warning here. Glitter Vipers mm-hmm. deals with mature, potentially triggering topics, including hate crimes, bigotry, assault, suicide, and violence. So I do want to bring that up as we get into the book, because the author brought that up. And so in this case, we're going to be talking about some of these themes on the podcast, too. So you have been warned. All right. So we get the next cover page, and... Uh, just more of the credits here and thanks to all the Kickstarter backers for the book. And now we start to get into the story and we're here and we have, we are in Manchester, England. Whoa. It's an English comet. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. What? Yeah, I know. See what I did to you. International comic book day. But international comic books, it doesn't seem to matter what country you're in, it still happens. No, I we know. have this woman on TV, right? All I'm saying is that no one but the parents has a right to teach their kids anything, especially in regards to decency. Yeah. Can I just tell you, I moved recently mm-hmm. and I got over here to this new area. Yeah. And there has been a woman posting signs over everywhere running for school board. Oh no. And this person running for school board just can't handle the curriculum that's being taught to her precious children. So she wants to make sure that the parents have more insight and power into the lesson plans that are going on at school. Oh no. And this is the platform she is running on. Just what you said. Yes. That's not a platform. That's just let I'm me tell you, homeschool. Yeah, bitch, please. That's I'm complaining about what's going on in in the school, and I don't like it. So I'm gonna I, I want to make some changes. I there are options. You can homeschool. You can go and do a uh, what are they? What what's the other what's the other type of school? It's not a private school, but it's a. I just uh, call it a private school. Anything, yeah, yeah. just, Any, just. But her platform school. is the same as this person. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> like I've got to have a direct look into the lesson plans because of the recent <clears throat> things, and of course, she never says what they are because they're just the recent things that have happened in school. Yeah. So if you think this isn't real, what we're seeing right here, if you think yeah. this is just a caricature in a comic book story, no, no I'm living this shit daily. I, I was reading through the voters pamphlet here and I, I'm not, it, it's not far off point. <laughs> and the worst part is, is not having kids and being like this. I, I would hate to, I would hate to have kids in school. <laughs> I, I would hate to have kids in school. What do I need? Parents having a battleground over what educators are teaching. Yeah. Because yeah. of their extensive experience in schooling well, to understand how to educate kids. Yeah. And you'd no. think they'd be over that by now. How did the last year with COVID work out? Mm-hmm. All they want is for their kids to go back to school. And now they want to go back in the damn school to mm-hmm. tell the teachers what they should teach. Anyway. It's wild. Rant over. Rant over. <laughs> um. Okay, so I can't say all of the dialogue in here. It's a lot of dialogue, but it goes it it honestly like this like we we see we see like this this group of of friends out on the night out on the town for a night and they're looks like they're cutting down the street. Yep. 
And we got two friends uh, embracing. They're clearly in love with each other. Got another smaller guy here. And we've got Miss By Felicia, who's saying bye, Felicia, to Ms. Fletcher, who's on the TV, um, cracking down on on these horrible gay people who are walking down the street, enjoying their lives, talking about how we need family values to be brought back and how men should marry each other and all the classic beautiful tropes there on TV. Mm-hmm. All that. And, and so these folks head off down an alley. There are rainbow flags everywhere. It looks like a, looks like the gay district to me. Yeah. I've not been to Manchester, but I have been to London and I have been to uh, Soho and it was fun. So now we are headed over and wham, uh, one of the guys gets hit in the face and all of a sudden there are a bunch of masked people beating everybody up. The action just kicks right in. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just, you go from this fun scene, relaxing mm-hmm. kind of chill time to all of a sudden people are, are hurting each other. Felicia's, uh, Felicia's mask or mask, her Her hair hair gets pulled off, pulled off. Um, their hair gets pulled off. You've got, uh, uh, to get punched. You've got a broken phone. Uh, who was that? So let's see if we can introduce the characters. We've got, um, Albie. So that's whose phone watching on the phone. At least we, that's the characters we know so far. So Albie and Felicia, and we've got the two other two other men here getting hit and then we flip a page and one of the one of the guys is down uh be consoled i'll be standing in the background and felicia without the wig is sprinting after this guys you know trying to break things down yeah and uh felicia comes back to console albie and albie's underage for the district area so Albie runs home and Felicia spends some time looking after the other guys. And we find out about Anton or well, there Anton is Felicia. So that's one character. And then finding about the other two guys and the next day. Oh no. Anton's the guy. Sorry. I didn't catch that. Try to get the character names, right? Greg. Gotcha. Anton was the guy that got hurt. I just want to set this up for everybody because there are quite a few characters in this. Yeah. So Anton's the guy that gets hurt. Um, Felicia is chasing after folks. We'll find out Felicia's name in a few panels. And then we get back to the hospital. So we get the next day. Anton's mouth was wired shut. One week later, Albie's wondering if it's safe to come out of his room. We get three Mm. weeks later. um, And it looks like um, we're back at a drag show. And people are starting to forget that this guy was smashed up. And so that's Felicia's commentary, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now we get one month later. And uh, by Felicia outside, but not in drag, is at the police station and talking to a detective and just explaining, hey, y'all should take care of this. And the detective basically blows it off. 
and and turns it back on them. Well, you don't have any witnesses. You all were attacked. It's your word against them. Mm -hmm. Just an excuse not to do police work. And then we rapidly move six weeks later. Uh, what do we do in the meantime? While well, scars are whole, are you know, scars are healing. Anton comes out of the hospital. Seven weeks later, I'm going through this all very quickly because yeah. we're getting to a high point, and then I want to discuss it. Mm -hmm. So seven weeks later, uh, they start going to a support group where people can cope, and you see Albie there with Felicia, and then. We get the next phase eight weeks later and we get a flashback on Anton who's still still healing. And then we get a flip to a bathtub, newspapers everywhere, and we read a note. And it says, can't take the fear anymore. I love you. Move on. Remember, nowhere safe. And then you get a black panel and it says, and we broke him. And now I'm going to not cry and I'm going to let you talk about it because I'm so nice. When we get to a heavy point, I always let you talk about it. <laughs> well, thank you, Dan. Um, yeah, no, this is the, the, I want to say like the buildup to this and the pacing and everything else. It, the book launches into a very fast action and then leads you through all these different things. And all these different weeks leading up to this and, and the grieving process, right? I mean, they're all going through different types of phases each, each week. Um, and every, every, all the different characters that we, that we know right now and some are, some are moving forward and some are not. And it, it definitely hits you as a reader uh, that this is, this is definitely something that is happening and it's something that's being told in this book because this is, this is a reality that needs to be seen. And this is something that we need to, you know, this is, this is a portion of, of life that needs to be discussed. One that I think that the what major contrast to between the Midnighter books that we were reading over the last few weeks in this book is like I could go back after the first 13 pages of this book or mm -hmm. you know 10 to 13 pages here and justify why any of these characters would want to act out against authority or somebody else. Uh-huh. It's all yeah. here and it only took like 10 pages to set up. Oh yeah. It 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 it, it everything is right there. And these uh, it, in the dialogue, in the panels, in the way that it all lays out uh, in every one of these little bits that happens in each one of these, like one week, two week, a month, three weeks, you know, each one of these things, it has all that information for you to understand and to, to digest and to make sense of. And so now we get to 11 weeks later. And we've been through a funeral now and where everyone's not everyone, but there are several people at a support group. And mm -hmm. uh, now uh, Joe Glass introduces some new characters. Right. And uh, we've got Felicia there kind of leading the support group with Albie sitting back behind Felicia. 
and Felicia calls out Mel and Bry. You girls were just walking home after a gig and made the mistake of holding hands and got a bottle across the head and a broken nose. I introduces Queenie. Every day, people give you crap about where you even go to pee. And then we go to Cal. Uh, you've been around for years. You've seen it all. And we're around when someone fascist blew up that bar. So we've got an introduction to some more characters. And I don't think we have to have a big backstory for these characters because mm -hmm. Joe Glass so clearly told the story of the initial group of characters, right? Mm -hmm. So we can relate to it. He's given us the emotion of the other characters. And then by simply naming what the backstory is, we should be familiar enough with those backstories through media and or we've already felt the emotion of the other characters. And so we understand why they'd be frustrated and angry. Yeah, I, I, I would say like when I was reading this, I felt like there was enough there was enough about each of these characters to be able to kind of like put those pieces together based off of things that I've, you know, other stories and you can empathize with these characters and then also that relate them to other things that, you know, and it, and it just kind of, it, it's, it's like Legos. It kind of fits together and not to say that it, it was, um, you know, made, it was making for easy writing for, for, for Joe, but it was uh, definitely a way, a mechanism to get a lot of information packed in to these, you know, to that for under 20 pages for you to move the story forward. And I think, I think Joe could use some stereotypes in the storytelling because of the detail given in the first nine pages. Yeah. And so and it, we can well, have a stereotype stereotype represents groups of people that would also be frustrated and angry. Mm -hmm. and, and I hate to say it, but I mean, for people that might not be uh, as, as understanding of, of a lot of the different culture, but uh, and, and what they understand about the community. Uh, if they're, if they're picking up this book for the first time and their experience is very limited, but they understand what they, they see on TV as representations of things, uh, you know, in the stereotypes, then they're like, Oh, okay. That's what I know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's the best way to, <laughs> to put it, but there's, I mean, I, I just, I, I guess it's just, you know, you're. Well, if people are out of tune with this or they're not exposed to it for whatever reason, yeah. I think it's a very quick, also quick way to explain like why people would be frustrated. Yeah. Um, I could also see somebody reading this who was not exposed to the community and just being like, see, look at all those, you know, so I could see it going the other way too. That's true. Um, I think we'll, let's keep looking at the story and see how it plays out. Okay. Um, but the uh, I think we get a little backstory on each of the characters. Felicia's rallying the troops, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? Saying that fills with rage. Queenie speaks up. Um, talks about so much for the sisterhood. We're told women are more kind and accepting, but I can tell you it's the same damn shit every day, everywhere. So we get another perspective from another person, right? That wasn't part of the original story. Mm -hmm. Then Albie chimes in. 
and starts expressing the rage that Albies felt clearly staying pent up in his room for the several days, right? You know, fuck this, fuck, weeks. you know, weeks. not okay. Weeks, yeah. And then um, we get it reintroduced to, I want to get their names again, scrolling back of Mel and Bry. And one of the two speaks up, I'm not exactly clear on the name in the panel. And they say, where's our self-respect? We sit here and talk, all of us victims, uh, for something out, waiting for somebody else to fix it. But we're told to be quiet. We're being too angry. And if we speak out, like they expect us to take it. And then we get introduced to one more character. Um, and he's talking about being in a motorcycle bang- gang and then eventually, you know, coming out and being beat up and knocked out of the gang. So they're all telling these stories and one of them speaks up and it was either Mel or Brian says, I'm not sure violence is my thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And we kind of get a reaction. Right. And I think that's fair. Right. Like they're kind of moving forward. And then Anton's lover speaks up and says, you know, Anton was so full of life. That's why I fell in love with him. What happened to him before coming here didn't matter. He had so much hope. And now they beat it out of him and they took everything from me and I want to take everything from them too. I think all of these feelings are real, right? And raw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, in this case, um, in this case, it's interesting because they decide to fight back. So, well, then, you know, what are we waiting for? Yeah. And I I, I do think this is some storytelling, right? Like in real life, you can't, you know, it's a comic book, right? And even Mm -hmm. though these aren't superheroes, it's still a comic book, right? In real life, you can't go form a gang to go beat people up. You can't? Or can you? (laughs) I was going to say you can't. Most of the time, I mean, I mean, I I shouldn't say you can't, but most of the time, uh, that's not. I I would say it's not, it's vigilantism is frowned upon and or (laughs) forming groups of people to do certain things like that is frowned upon. But if anything we've seen in the last like two or three years, there's been a lot of, uh, who was the guy in Seattle? What the, uh, superhero? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, um, I almost said the dirt, <laughs> the darkness. The dirt. No, I don't. Phoenix <laughs> Jones. Yes, yes. The but he ended up uh, not being so super of a hero because he was selling drugs. Oh well, I saw him lose an MMA fight too. Okay, yeah, he was. Uh, he was just in, he was indicted for um, selling drugs. <laughs> Using Fantastic. the superhero, using the superhero, being a superhero and breaking up fights uh, with his with his hands and feet to also be around the areas in which people wanted drugs and to sell them. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Well, there's there's that. So yeah. he he was really a not a superhero. He's yeah. a supervillain. I think he was, I I think he was put in, he was, it was a position of opportunity or uh, a situation of opportunity or an opportunity situation. I don't know. Interesting. Well, yeah. um, And that's why we frown on vigilantism. Yes. I guess. Yes. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) Well, moving on. So uh, we'll get into some more vigilante, vigilantism. Uh. And uh, get into that. Okay, I didn't know that. 
January oh. 9th, 2020, Jones was arrested for allegedly selling MDMA to an undercover. Oof. Okay. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. <laughs> well, um, wonder what that drug's used for. <laughs> Again, way to research stuff before you bring it up in the podcast. It's like well, the- I was not planning on bringing Phoenix Jones up today, so that was <laughs> not like in the, the plans. Uh, oh wow, that just like came along in the discussion. Fourth, I, I third or fourth yeah, time we've had a podcast in which, which all of a sudden, middle of the podcast, you're like, oh man, what have I done? <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you have a discussion about things, okay? I, I'm sorry I didn't catalog all of Phoenix Jones' career before we, we came on the show. Uh, I'm sorry. I watched um, a lot of news with my grandma since she's been here. So yeah, that's when fair. she sees a guy running around in a rubber suit getting chased by the police, she wants to know if I know him. <laughs> you know, that makes sense. Since you, you write about superheroes, it makes sense that you know all of them. You know him? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> my friend dan though he might <laughs> oh geez okay well we get to uh we get uh let's get back to the queerness here so we're back here and it's it's a uh we're backstage in felicia's uh, studio and uh we are getting some costumes made because yes. that's what's gonna happen uh that's what Felicia's specialty is. And here we go. Um, we see a, a Felicia baseball bat appear and out from the curtain. Felicia Boom. says, let's smash them right back. Uh, they're, they, they're, sorry. They're, oh, they have, they're have, sorry. Yes. They're have, yeah, they're. That's why I hate contractions. There have been pink panthers and black panthers and we'll be the glitter vipers, honey. And they are ready to go. They look like they're ready to rumble. And so. I swear I've seen these people. (laughs) And we get a little bit of a flashback. Um, So how many handsome, excuse me, uh, how many coats are you checking in with me? Maybe I'm just here to see you. Anton, well, just how much of me are you trying to see, Mister? Call me Jesus. So we get Jesus and Anton's origin story and mm-hmm. how they met the first time. And Jesus soberly walks back to the group and he says, uh, "Felicia, ask you coming, honey? You okay? No, but I'm. That's why I'm coming." And so, getting back to that kind of sobering reality of why they are doing this, right? Like yeah. it's just awful. It, yeah, like it's. It's and I like the balance, right? Because it's kind of cute. Hey, we formed a superhero group. We're all in masks and we're the glitter mm-hmm. vipers. And then you get pulled back to the reality of why something like this has to even exist. Yeah, we're doing this because bad things happen in our community and our friend took his life because of these bad things. Well, and then we get flashed to a scene. You've got a guy coming out of a bar on leather night pretty clearly mm-hmm. and it's uh it's going to take a leak and these five guys come to beat him up um and they don't seem like they're very smart but they go to try to beat this guy up and bap one of them gets hit with felicia's bat yep and uh they start taking out the guys going to beat the guy up and uh, we've got a little fight scene and Felicia's team scares them off and then they go away. 
and they identify themselves as protecting the streets. So it's kind of their very first successful win. And they identify themselves to the crowd as the Glitter Vipers. And we're out here to make sure all of you queens and queens are safe. Queers and queens, sorry, are safe and sound. Have a good night, babies. Uh, You're all safe now. So they identify that there's a protection group there. And then they walk around the corner and there's the police. (gasps) Oh, of course. Of course. They they were right there all along, but they were doing... Nothing for yeah. the for the community. They're right there all along, but the poor guy about to get beat up. <laughs> He's on <laughs> his own. We'll see how this plays out. <laughs> um, so they conf- get confronted and Felicia confronts the police officer back and the police officer says, you'll need to stop what you're doing. It's just going to make it matters worse. And and he makes the carnival mistake of telling by Felicia to stay calm Oh, yeah, you don't do that. <laughs> Which, no, not going to happen. And Felicia, in all their glory, says, we are done staying calm. Almost, you know, ready with the bat. Yeah. I'm ready for a speak to the hand moment here. And mm-hmm. <laughs> speak that's to the, the bat. End of that con- <laughs> yeah, speak to the bat. Yeah, that's the end of that confrontation, right? Yeah. And so Felicia calls them out and says that they're going to protect their own community. And says... To Officer Marcus, what are you going to do about it? In a nice three page, three, four page spread here. You know, one of the things I like about this book so far, too, and Marcus says nothing for now and retreats to his car. Um, And so that ends that. I do want to get to the end of that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, like, you know, we had, it's an, this, this comic seems to, we're about, Nah, just about halfway through and the comic seems to move quickly through parts and slowly through others. Yeah. But I think that works, right? Because the art is used to build the drama. Yeah. And then we can slow it down a little bit and then we mm-hmm. can use pages of art to build the drama again. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, no, it, it totally, it totally works. And like you said, with the, um, you know, just like with the way that they, the panel choices that the artists have chosen and the way that the uh, characters depicted in their different, um, different ways uh, to do their actions and stuff like that. It definitely does build that, that drama. It draws you in because there's a lot going on in every, every bit of this book so far uh, exactly where you want to be want the readers to be drawn in. So it makes it, it makes you as you're reading it, just dive into it head first and move with it. I I know when I read this, I was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm really just, I'm trucking along through it. And I didn't even, (laughs) you know, just like, this is, this is really good. I'm, I'm almost halfway through this book and I didn't even, didn't even I, I I know I always look at the page count and I when I when I looked back up I was like oh wow I'm I'm just just jamming. Yep, and I think I think one of the great things too is I I've read this book like three or four times now and I don't even think about the time when I'm reading it. Yeah, it's easy to get lost in a good story. Yep, it's and it's it's super easy to digest, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, there's no looking up at a pause point, seeing if I have to digest this again, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. 
did I miss something? Did I, and that's, that's the cool part about a story like this too. Uh, like go back to the midnighter stuff with midnighter. You're wondering if you were missing something. Was this Easter egg thrown? Was this an Easter egg that I didn't understand from a previous midnighter storyline that was brought into this story or from some other, when they, kind of felt like it was shoehorned in with the the Grayson stuff or when they brought Suicide Squad stuff in. Uh, what am I missing from any of these bits? And how do I, under, you know, how do I understand and tie all these things together? With with something like this, you're, you're purely in the moment with the characters because it's all presented right there. Well, so now we get a change of scene. Oh. Uh, speaking of, and we've got Albie yelling at the, uh, what was her name from the very first page? Oh, uh, we call her the old hag. The old hag. I, I like it. I mean, uh, looks like. I, I'm only trying to get the name right because the character will reappear in the story. Sorry for oh. spoiling. Um, Spoilers. The spoiler, good thing we're on the spoiler verse, Dan, where Cthulhu um, calls and the tentacles drag you back to the ocean. Yeah, Ms. Fletcher. I think Ms. Fletcher is, is a hag of the sea. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we get in Albies yelling at, you know, yelling at, you know, saying, hey, it's wrong to say it's wrong to teach people that gay people don't exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> You can't tell people that people aren't real. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's, it's a valid point. No one's gay. <laughs> yeah. <Huh>? What? <laughs> gay people don't exist, so they're just not real. Well. Basi- basically, they just go around spreading their agenda everywhere. That's what I try to do, is try to spread an agenda. I, I mean, by reading, by, by reading what, uh, what they say in here, I just, I'm, I'm just, I, I, that's what my my belief is. That's that's what I mean. That, if that's all I knew, then that's what I would believe. Well, <laughs> Albie is pro- counter protesting, and and Ms. Fletcher uses this to say, "See, this is the kind of breakdown in social values we're fighting against. This <laughs> is uh, the antisocial behavior. This is a direct result." And it's like, yeah, it's such a classic bullshit line, right? Hey, I instigate and piss people off, and then I call them antisocial. It's so much of that it's so much of the culture right now too, like this debate me culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like debate me, but then everything you say, I'm going to say is like antisocial or wrong, right? Without any justification, but debate me. I, I don't think people understand what debate is. No, they don't. And then when you do debate them and then you, you basically Ben Shapiro is who I'd be referring to right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you fuck you that apart guy. Their stuff and they're like, but you can't do that because I'm right. I'm like, no, that's right. Your, you, you have an opinion and that is yours and your opinion to you is correct, but that doesn't make it right. It just means and that I'm going to only debate you by using ad hominem attacks against you because I don't know how to actually debate. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. That's not how that's not how actual conversation is held. Yeah. What you're if you, doing if you, is crawling if you, up your own ass. I'll call you antisocial. <laughs> Look at me. I'm amazing. Yeah, no. It's it's like eating dry toast. And then you get right back into it. Hey. Um, and so now Felicia mentions, hey, you know, it's our existence isn't really up for debate. And 
Ms. Fletcher says, and no one's debating it. Dress however yeah. you want, call yourselves whatever, sleep with whatever consenting adult you actually have, actually have you, but children need, and then Queenie interrupts and says, there you're talking about sex. You know, we're about love and life and living authenticity and freedom. Our, you know, we do not live our lives in the bedroom. And that shuts Fletcher up. And I think, you know, one of the, the easy ways to shut down an argument like that is to try to make somebody look at somebody as a person, right? Wait, to humanize somebody? Yes. Instead that's, of a freaking object. That's insanity, man. You can't make people people if people don't exist. Oh, that's, yeah. And see, <laughs> the, and that's Fletcher's downfall because yeah. she acknowledges the existence of people. And I, I do think um, the both with the art and the writing, they do a really good job here illustrating this, like the frustrations of youth mm -hmm. um, and then the experience of the two people that have been in the community longer, right? Yeah. And um, where Albie's ready to almost walk away, the other two calmly interject and engage. Yeah. And so now we, we fast forward to a couple of weeks later, and hey, good news. The gang hasn't had to do much because, well, people, the, a lot of the attacks have stopped. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> people were stood good. up to you. That's good. Shocking. You stand up to things and <laughs> start to go away. Make a change. Um, but they do identify an area where attacks have been happening um, near the industrial area of town. Mm. Um, Always where bad things happen. So they go back and uh, they're going to go out there and investigate. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now elsewhere, um, we have this young man walking through the park and he starts to get attacked again by the people in masks. We've seen them before from the oh. very first start yes. of the book. Yes. Yes. And they throw this guy down. He's like, hey, I didn't do I did nothing to you. And they don't care. And like, then they do care all of a sudden because here comes the, the glitter, vipers. glitter vipers. And Jesus yells for Anton motherfuckers and they get started. I don't I know. I did notice if, something. What? Oh, go ahead, Greg. No, yeah. I was going to say, if somebody came at me with a mask like that, with like just like these fangs and everything like that, I'd be kind of scared because, you know, like... <laughs> That's a scary mask. Okay, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, too, we're we're moving through this book. And I noticed in the episode eight and nine, the issue eight and nine um, of of Midnighter, I, uh -huh. I said the F word like more than I've ever said it on this podcast. Yeah. I, I didn't notice that when we were casting, but I noticed when we listened back, right? And I was yeah. extremely frustrated with the story. Yeah. And it's just like the opposite here. It just moves, right? We can yeah. move the story right through. And so... The story just moves. The only time that you actually say any any words are because it's, it's written in the dialogue in the and you're reading something because it emphasizes the moment and it... it care it, it brings that character to life on the page to what was that word that you used before H humanize yeah humanizing oh my gosh well we get the fight scene yes oh you get the fight scene here and speaking of humanizing uh the 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 people in the masks keep fighting back no matter what um they don't seem to give up and finally they start to give up they're still yelling names uh, still calling people names. 
And then one of them starts to leave and Jesus grabs one and says, you attacked us, attacked Anton. And the other person starts to get scared and they pull the mask off. And he's like, you're off me. And, and Jesus realizes these are kids. So teenagers, mm-hmm. right? Presumably. At least that's the way they're drawn, right? Teenage yeah. boys. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're children. And all of a sudden, there's kind of a crisis of conscience here. Um, you know, they realize the people they've been tracking. So not the people they initially scared away, but the people they've been tracking are kids. Mm-hmm. And Jesus comes this moment and says, no, um, they're talking and they say, uh, Albie says, um, there were definitely older ones among the group that attacked us. I'm sure of it. And Jesus says, no, no, there weren't. It was them. A bunch of kids killed Anton just because he was different than them. How the fuck did we fight with that? And we have this moment where, you know, if I, you know, people that would presumably should be innocent, right. They have to be taught to hate like this. Yeah. They have to be taught. They have to be weaponized. To take that kind of action. And, and let's have a moment here, right? Like as Mm -hmm. somebody who grew up and was taught to hate myself, right. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm feeling this, right. Yeah. This is weaponized again. I'm glad Twitter didn't exist when I was a teenager. Cause you probably would have said a bunch of stuff because the church told you to say that this is, this is, this is your reality. I mean, this is probably would have said stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's, and that's a guaranteed. I would have said stuff. And I'm, I'm sure that there are people that have grown up since the invention of social media said things and then come to terms with their life and gone, Oh fuck. I am exactly everything that I was told to not (laughs) embrace. One, it's crazy that just we're, we're able to platform. I mean, I guess that's the debate about Facebook right now is like, right. We're able, we're able to platform children. Yeah. And put them out there in front of the world and have them say things, right. Mm -hmm. Or read things. Yeah. And it's, you know, this, this is though too, it's like, you know, Felicia identifies their kids. So what, but they're still hurting people. Mm -hmm. Um, but Jesus fights back and says their children, um, they don't know what they do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a poignant moment. And, you know, Felicia calls bullshit and argues back, but I think it's worth the debate they're having. Right. Yeah. Like to some extent they don't know what they do. Right. Like I had no idea. Right. Like, yeah, I knew that I couldn't like figure out why dating women didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in every possible way, right? Like, <laughs> there's just no interest in Dan for that, right? Like, but I couldn't, like, then you have these feelings, like you're constantly told, well, this is wrong, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so how do you even reconcile that? You don't even know yet, right? Yeah. People don't know. That's why this stuff with Superboy and John Kent is such a joke, right? Like, how could anybody even guess, right? Like, how could anybody know? First of all, this character has been around like, what, three years, mm-hmm. three, four years in comics, right? Yeah. And then it's like, how could somebody say that John Kent even knows John Kent's sexuality yet? 
you know, it's not like they took a character that's been around 50 years and went, man, uh, we're going <laughs> to we're going to take a character and this does happen. So I'm not saying it doesn't, yeah. but we're going to take a character with a long term history of of having straight relationships. Right. And then all of a sudden they're going to have uh, a different relationship. Mm-hmm. OK, you, you can't make that argument. Right. This isn't that. And yeah. I think that's exactly, you know, the visceral reaction of that is representative of this discussion in mm-hmm. a lot of ways too, right? People have to be taught that. It has to be taught somewhere. It, you don't just like, <laughs> yeah, you just like go, oh, well, people can't change their mind or people can't be different or people can't, you or know, people have feelings. Yeah, or people, they can't, they can't branch out and experience different things because they're curious about whatever. And it's even more ridiculous when it's in a fictional story. <laughs> True. So we move on and uh, the group decides that they want to find out who's sending out gangs of kids to hurt people, mm-hmm. which makes sense. So they ultimately decide to, instead of attacking more kids, they decide to go for the root cause, which makes a lot of sense with this group. I mean, that was what they set out to do to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. To clean up the neighborhood. So yeah. let's go after the root cause. So they break into this industrial area and Albie's got a, his phone again, trusty dusty phone. It looks like it's been fixed up. So maybe a new phone mm-hmm. and they start taking pictures of what's inside. And uh, Felicia does not want Albie to go inside and be hurt. And they start taking pictures and we get a snapshot in this of the inside and we get what can only be called an evil supervillain committee, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. It's You got, you know, all We've got Miss Fletcher. Yeah. Bald people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is amazing. Thugs. Like, it is the, it's the ultimate supervillain, you know. But here are the kids coming reporting back to it. And they're like, yeah, you know, they got seen. They got their hoods pulled down. And uh, I told them to be careful. Vipers and yeah, it makes sense. Paying these kids, kids. it makes sense though. I mean, it's very, uh, it's very realistic in a sense. You see that in real life, but you also see it in movies. Yep. Oh, and they're paying the kids. And what says you know? um, There's Miss Fletcher. Well, of course, that's one homosexual down, and you'll get your reward for it. Yay! Okay, great lady. Yeah, I'm referring to the kid with the hoodie and the backpack that was the satchel bag that was hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she gets into her monologuing again. It's been, it's all been working so well already. Freaks are getting more scared to come out already. They think the streets are safe and all it took was gamifying the fight back. So she's gamifying it. She's basically paying people mm-hmm. like a game to go out and beat people up yeah. because she's classy. <laughs> classy. Yeah. Classy. Very she not. likes being the snot out of sodomites and crossdressers. Yeah, that's not. That's I, I, <laughs> yay. This is fun. This part's fun. Okay. Well, I it's <laughs> she's she's still her her whole moral compass is eventually the next generation instead of being twisted and accepting discussing perverted ways were made strictly with the wholesome traditional standards we know that we love and we control <laughs> and i i just want to <laughs> cackle laugh yeah. 
Well, that's what it is, right? Yeah. Like if, you know, that's what groups want. You know, the interesting part is if, if they can control the specific narrative, then they can control you, right? It's back mm-hmm. to that discussion at the beginning of the book where they're talking about, you know, not being victims anymore, right? And while it's interesting that in the book, right, Joe Glass acts it out as the victims actually physically hitting each other against violence. But I think more of the message is, right, don't, you can't be a victim. Like you can't, you know, it was back to that weeks where Albie was hiding in the house, right? Like you can't yeah. just hide in the house. Uh, you have to actively, you know, participate in your own liberation. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Right. I don't think, I don't think Joe Glass is advocating that people go out and, and hit people with baseball bats. No. But I think there is an active, you know, a cry to ask people to actively participate in uh, their own liberation. Right. Acknowledging that there's a, a problem that these things need to be looked at and we need to figure out a way to move forward from having these things happen. Well, and if it wasn't bad enough, here's old officer Marcus coming in uh, to help out. Turn. And as soon as officer Marcus makes the appearance and monologues a little bit, here come the glitter vipers through the window. And now they actually do launch in like superheroes. So now is our pose, what you were thinking of from the first page of the book. Yeah. And they start attacking, jumping in. This is fun. Uh, I love the art here. Um, Was it, is it Brie or Mel? I can't remember what the name. One of them, one of them's not into the fighting thing. The shorter blue haired one uh, that is into the fighting. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like a golden age comic scene, <laughs> just kind of like running through the air, hitting people. Reminds <laughs> me of like the golden age Adam. Yeah, yeah, not the <laughs> silver age, not the one that could shrink down, but the guy that was just short that could yeah. fight with people. Yeah, yeah. Al Pratt, and it, these are it's a classic look, like almost from a golden age book, which I I love the art here. Mm-hmm. And they go to town on these folks and. uh Um, Felicia gets her digs in against Mark officer Marcus and then Marcus, well, just decides to light everything on fire because he's like, you know, he might as well commit arson too while they're along with it. Yeah. Why not? Um, and the Vipers start ending this. So taking people out, people start leaving and then, okay, now Fletcher's back into a corner and she decides to pull a gun. Oh man. That's, of course, what you do. And and, and against Jesus, of course, right? Because that's what it is. And Jesus, in kind of this, what we were talking about, too, like this anti-victimhood thing, right? Where participating in your own liberation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, She starts calling him a pest and a freak. And he basically says, your time never gets their hands dirty. You won't do shit. You'll expect someone else to do it for you. I've seen your kind. And you call us freaks, but you can't keep your noses out of our business. Can't help but try to destroy our lives. You're all weak and you're all pathetic. And still we fear you. And that's the monologue. And then he finishes up by saying, because despite your weakness, weakness, your pathetic, insane agenda is hating anyone you deem not normal. Your hate is infectious. It spreads to anyone. You can manipulate anyone. You're looking for a reason to feel on their own twisted thoughts inside it. And it surrounds us. You make it so our lives are a debate, a battle. You won't ever give us peace. 
And then the most of innocent of us. And he pauses and he says, do you even know? And do you even care? And I think that's the thing of participating, right? Like the, the whole notion that, you know, they're creating this sort of agenda without even looking at people as humans. Yeah. And he even comes to realization after looking back at Anton that she deserves to die, but he's not going to do it because he actually looks at people as humans and he's liberating not just himself from them, but himself from himself. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he's not going to bow to the other side and dehumanize. And I will say like one of the frustrating things I get into outside of the world of comics is when people on either side start dehumanizing each other. Yeah. And you may see it differently, but that frustrates me to an extent too. Oh yeah. No, no, I, I understand. So, uh, now Felicia is there with Fletcher and Albie steps back in and has recorded everything. And there's basically a confession video and he's sent it out to the internet for everybody to see. Oh, the internet, the internet, the internet got him, (laughs) got him. And now they're all being arrested. And I love this too. Like you see these, you see it all the time, right? Like it's like, okay, I'm being arrested now. And so now I'm just going to keep calling people disgusting freaks and running society and filthy. And I'm going to continue to blame my bad actions on somebody else. Yeah. I'm going to just make myself out. Like I'm going to just show everybody how terrible I am. (laughs) One is like this. What about ism, right? Well, what about them? They're filthy and their lifestyles are terrible. It justifies me burning down a building and attacking people. Like, yeah, (laughs) it's so ridiculous. And I think Joe Glassmate with the dialogue and uh, the art here, uh, the art here is great, right? Like Fleming, Katie Fleming does an amazing job with the art, mm-hmm. um, drawing even more contorted, right? The faces oh, just yeah. more contorted as the arguments get more ridiculous, even mm-hmm. in the video on TV. And I love that as the argument gets more ridiculous, the person looks more ridiculous too. I think that's a big fun piece of the art here. Definitely. Definitely. So they call in uh, Marcus to meet with him one more time and the whole gang's there. Mm -hmm. And they meet with officer Marcus and while officer Marcus doesn't necessarily get in trouble, they're always there watching him. Tell him to leave. And uh, basically, they've won, so to speak, right? But have they? And uh, they're all happy. They're celebrating. And Jesus announces, hey, I actually have some news. I'm leaving. (gasps) And they ask him what he's talking about. And he's like, now that we've done this, he's like, I love all of you, but... I don't see myself having a place here without Anton. Mm-hmm. And we get back to the real sobering reality that this violence that's been inflicted on the community has consequences, right? It goes beyond one person's suicide, right? Yeah. It goes back to infecting the entire community and impacting people in real ways. And while we do get a nice splash page at the end um, saying we're still going to keep this place safe, I like the balance there 
we didn't just have a happy ending with the splash page of the glitter vipers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a real impact on the characters before we end the story. Yeah. They, there's that reality that, that Jesus is going to leave, move on and, and go, go to another, another town to pick up his life. And we get a couple more pages afterwards. I think it was really classy that Joe put in the book all these resources in the UK and the US mm-hmm. um, for the LGBTQ plus community. So really thought that was a classy piece at the end. So if somebody was reading this book and was struggling, they have places to go for help. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good because like you're... You, you're getting all this information you're reading this this book and then at the end of it you're getting all these different resources and stuff like that and or you know you might know somebody that that could use this and it's just all in this nice package so i really love this um we've got some we got the quote by steve orlando on the back of the book um (laughs) So I guess I should have known that was there, right? Because it was literally on the back of the book I was reading. But I tend to read the book from front to back. So I wasn't necessarily <laughs> looking there. You don't start at the back of the book and read to the front? No, of the- I don't start at the end. I'm not one of those people. Oh, okay. You know, those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but I did, you know, overall, it's a fascinating story, right? The uh, I shouldn't say fascinating, but, you know, just... I would actually fascinating is probably the wrong word. It's a clear, concise, easy to follow story Mm -hmm. that justifies why people would take violence, but also justifies why violence might be warranted. But I I think if you're comparing it to real life, you know, if you're looking for the interior lesson here, Mm -hmm. um, they're advocating for people to write, um, not just sit back and be victims, but advocate, as I was saying earlier for their own liberation. Mm -hmm. So I would ask, um, you know, if, I shouldn't ask if you were telling the story, right? Because that's not the question I want. But yeah. if you were taking a story of advocacy, right? How might you approach that story and why? How would I approach? It doesn't this? have to be for this, right? No, but I, you were writing a story, you know, that was advocating for something. I think um, for, I would take a look at the different, the different ways that, uh, things could be told for those different takes on people's either perception or their experiences, because everyone has a different, a different view on different things. Um, that way there's different characters that can represent that and different voices so that people reading it can have that connection and be able to, follow along the story with characters that they align with so that it, it it carries them, the reader through that story. So trying to make sure that there's enough for everyone uh, in all those different things. Uh, I think when you're advocating, when you're telling something, a story that has that much uh, importance to you, you want to try to make sure that all those that that's kind of ingrained in all those different characters, but also speaking to different people and getting that information, getting, getting, uh, 
a little bit of background so that you can make sure that those that the stories you're telling and or those characters are um i want to say uh represented well and that they're uh that there's enough uh, I don't know, like with this, uh, like we said earlier, like there was enough buy-in for me as a reader in the first like 12 pages that I, I was hooked and just, just going with it as it just, as it, you know, it ramped up and it just rolled. Uh, and, and you want to make sure that that's there for anyone in any kind of story that it, that it picks that someone can pick it up and, and, and just roll with it. I feel that's important. Yeah, I, I feel I, like with also to, with like, I mean, to, to get more into like the idea of uh, um, when, when you're at, when you're telling an advocacy story, making sure that you've got all the different bits and pieces that also make sense to the, whatever it is that you're advocating um, because there's a lot of different different things that go into any of those types of stories. Right. So making sure all that information's out there and, and, and doing your research on those things so that when you're telling that story, it's as good as you can tell it with the characters and the situation that you've put them in. Uh, so if you're telling a story that's advocating for, you know, wildlife or whatever, and it makes sense in that area that you're telling it, that it, it's, if it's, if it's in the Pacific Northwest and there's bears and other stuff like that, you don't have zebras running around. I don't know. <laughs> but Yeah, that all makes sense to me. Like, and I think that the depth of the character to you, like depth or breadth, right? Depending yeah. or it, depending on the character and who they are, but you need enough there to let people identify with the character. Mm-hmm. And I think that is extremely helpful uh, when building. So, yeah. Uh, he's super interesting to me. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I say but, and, and not to argue with you, but we are running out of time. This is true. This is true. We've had a very lengthy conversation uh, <laughs> this week, uh, but all, all for good reasons, you know, talking about different things and, and, and thoroughly enjoying a story that has a lot. I mean, going from everything that we read in Midnighter and reading an ultraviolet story that was told over multiple issues with not a lot of backstory as to why there was, I mean, at least for us, not a lot of backstory throwing us into why there was a lot of violence and then finding, you know, running into this and getting just everything that you're, you felt like you were lacking before in a very different book that has all these different, different aspects and, and you're getting all the story there and you're running with it. And by the end of it, you're, you're like, okay, got this. I got this ends on a sad note ends on a high note. <laughs> yep. I, I, I'm reading the back of it here and it's got this quote from Cena Grace and it, it's a throwback to, uh, I want to say like several San Diego comic cons. I, I had the, the pleasure of talking to him 
for a few minutes, I, I was totally fanboying and and just kind of gushing Not and stuff you. like that. Yeah, I, I'm a human, and when I see creators that I I thoroughly enjoy their work, and this is pre like any of the things that he's known for here, but this is like purely like just like oh my gosh, I I find your you're just you know your art is amazing, and I just think you're just a delightful person to just be able to share this like you know, however many minutes you're going to let me just like fawn over your, your, your portfolio that you have here. Um, but you know, we're just talking about stories and stuff like that. And I, I think this quote that he has back here, totally, it, it's, it, it, it throws me back to that, to that moment we were having it just talking about stories and just like what you can enjoy from something, no matter what it is. Uh, and uh, like the, uh, uh, all the different ways that someone tells a story, uh, either if they're, uh, their experience, because you're, we were talking pre-show about like, uh, Orlando versus glass in the, in the, in the storytelling and their, and their scripting techniques and stuff like that. But I, I feel like this, this story was thoroughly enjoyable. I felt like there was nothing that I was left wondering. I, I felt, I felt the same way with all of the art I felt the same way with, like I said, like every, every time you asked how the the story was progressing, I was like, these panels are just like, everything is just stacked so nicely and so well it moves. And I, I, it just throws me back to that conversation where it's like, if you can, if you can pick up a story and thoroughly enjoy it, then you have found a good story you found a good comic it doesn't matter if a if if someone that is the best storyteller in the world has has written this story or if it's if it's if it's a 12 year old kid that is like writing the story and i think that's one of the best things about us covering uh kickstarter comics and stuff like that is that you've got um the opportunity out there and, and, and talking about this kind of thing is you've got people out there creating great stories and you just have to give those stories a chance. You never know what you're going to find. And this is an example of that. I appreciate you bringing this to me, Dan. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I will say, you know, to without when I'm talking about like Steve Orlando, right? Like I'm not always, uh, I did not, I don't dislike everything Steve Orlando's put out, right? I like a lot of things Steve Orlando puts out. So I do want to say, like, in this is in contrast to specifically the Steve Orlando Midnighter run that we read, right? Specific parts of it, not all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's, that's the storytelling we're comparing, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I could look through Steve Orlando's written a ton of stuff and there's a whole bunch of stuff that I like. I mean, we could even go back and compare Steve Orlando's wonder woman run to the mm-hmm. wonder woman run we were reading before. Right. So Steve Orlando's written all sorts of different things. Yeah. And so there's a lot there, but yeah, to, to your point. Yeah. I'm not going to back down though to you. I, the midnighter series <laughs> didn't do it for me in a lot of different ways. Right. Yeah. Um, and violence being one of them, right. And mm-hmm. unnecessary violence or right. The story not leading up to the violence or justification for it. And I really thought this did the opposite, you know, to kind of bring this all around, mm-hmm. um, full circle. So anyway, um, on that note, I think I'm glad you enjoyed the story and I enjoyed it as well. And well, we're going to have to come up with something for next week. 
Hmm. And I've been picking the books, so I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but do you have anything in mind? Do I have anything in mind? I, I, let me, let me look and, uh, might have a book. You might have a book. I might okay. have a book. I might. You might. You just might have a book. US one. Oh, geez. That's <laughs> not what I was hoping you were going to say. Uh, karate Kid. I mean, if we want to go down that path. I'm just joking, dude. I'm just joking. We, can. we always bring up Karate Kid in, in US one, but. Yeah, you know, I was just giving you the. I, I was trying to be inclusive and give you the opportunity to choose once in a while. I know. I appreciate it. We could read the Who's Who Volume One. Well, I, I <laughs> would will, not be I will an take exciting the, podcast. We just read each page of a character's origin. I think people would. They would. The, the the one person that we have that listens to this would stop listening. So that would be a bad choice. I I think what I can do is I can look, I can see, and I can say. Okay. Well, then we will take that offline. But for now, I think this ends the Glitter Vipers episode of Funny Book Forensics. I don't know. I was waving. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I was going. <laughs>